Before we get going on today's episode, I do want to let you know about an incredible event that is coming up this fall. On October 23rd and 24th here in Orlando, Florida, have the opportunity to come and join me at Jake and Gino's Multifamily Mastery. So it's two days that are packed full of opportunity. One, from learning from some of the top experts in multifamily speak about crushing it in apartment investing. The other side is the amount of people that are there with all sorts of experience in this space that you're going to be able to network with, be able to build these relationships, meet with some vendors, and be able to potentially find your next partner. So I'm confident that you're going to learn so much and it will be well worth your time. I would love to be able to meet you if I haven't had that opportunity to meet you yet. And if I have, I would love to see you again. Jake and Gino have been gracious enough to provide me with a discount code to save you $150 off of your ticket. So just use the code LODA, L-O-D-A, when you're checking out or click on the link in the show notes. It can be used for both general admission or the VIP admission. So if you're going on the general admission, you're going to be able to get into this event two days packed full of knowledge and opportunity for under $150. So I hope to see you down here and it's a great opportunity to be able to make a mini vacation out of it. Come a couple days early, stay a couple days after, enjoy the sunshine state while you're down here getting incredible knowledge and being able to help propel your business forward. So if you do sign up, please let me know. I would love to make sure that I set aside time to be able to meet with you and be able to help you with some connections for while you're down here. I hope to see you here on October 23rd and 24th. everyone, and welcome to this episode of Apartment Investing for Early Retirement. I am your host, Eric Loda, and on this episode, I am joined by Mr. Bo Gable. Bo is the managing member of Riverside Investment Group, which is a values-based real estate investment firm that is passionate about providing immense value to residents, investors, and the communities they serve. Bo is currently an active duty officer in the U.S. Army, a husband, and a father of three. In this episode, he's able to share a lot of great perspective about the pros and cons of short-term rental properties versus that of multifamily investing. He's also able to share a little bit of his story and what he's so passionate about and the opportunity that real estate investing is providing him to be able to make a greater impact moving forward in the world as a whole. Thank you for tuning in. I certainly enjoyed the conversation with Bo. And I hope that you're able to enjoy it as well. Bo, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, Derek. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for uh, allowing me to share my knowledge with, with your platform. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's always good to, to be able to share other stories, others past for how they got into it, because everyone is unique. And, you know, hopefully it kind of breaks down those barriers that people have in their own minds that they won't be able to get into it, depending on whatever their situation is. So um, great, to, great to have you on. Excited to dig into your story and a few of the topics that we have uh, lined up today. But before we, you know, dig into that, I want to hear what your story is, you know, what kind of got you into real estate, your background, and, you know, what brought you to today? Yeah, absolutely. So I am, 
about eight years into an active duty army officer role. Um, I said that kind of odd, but been active duty army um, for the past eight years and absolutely had a phenomenal ride. Extremely grateful for the opportunity that um, and the opportunities that 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 my position has afforded me. Uh, and you know, on the home front, have uh, the most incredible wife. We just talked about it. I just had our third baby less than a week ago. So I may be a little bit sleep deprived at this very moment, but I've also had a couple cups, cups of coffee. So uh, forgive me in advance, but um, really what's become my passion and what I love sharing and what I'm so appreciative to you for is, uh, you know, kind of stumbled into real estate uh, after learning some things kind of through podcasts and stuff on a deployment. And then um, really whenever we transitioned our first home into an investment property kind of set off an aha moment back in like 2015 and for well really we purchased in 15 so really 2017 and for the past four ish years um just been enthralled with with what we can do in this in this uh field and the potential to impact so many different people's lives in so many different ways um and that's really what has kind of lit my fire it's it's absolutely you know, we'll be transitioning out of the army here sooner than later, and and I'll be doing this full time, uh, you know, for as long as as long as I can because I'm I just I love so many different aspects of this uh, of this world. So the real estate investing world, specifically, you know, right now we're in commercial multifamily, some short term rentals, um, and you know we're we're very fortunate in the past few years we've uh, just climb to 141 units um, with about 8.5 million assets under management. So, um, and so far everything's going really, really well, you know? Yeah, great. I mean, even despite, uh, uh, despite all of the, the illness the last year, uh, you know, there's been, I think there was a little bit of conflicting ideas for, you know, how, real estate as a whole was going to go. And, you know, obviously the housing market itself, uh, you know, for, for people purchasing homes, buying and selling has exploded and, you know, kind of envisioned a little bit of a pullback on short-term rentals. But then when people were, you know, starting to go, you know, all online, you know, at home work, there was just so many that, you know, started going into that space. Like, Hey, well, I, we don't have to stay here in XYZ city we can go get a place for a month or a week and, you know, just be able to kind of bounce around a little bit, still be able to get that work done. So uh, it was, it was really interesting and curious as to how, you know, both sides with where you're at with the short-term rentals and with uh, multifamily, how those both kind of perform, maybe some challenges that you had uh, with it and some, some opportunities that you were able to capitalize through uh, yeah, pretty much the last year from when everything started. Yeah, Derek, that's an awesome point. And honestly, it's something that I've never really talked about and, and just thinking through right now. And so I'm going to talk about commercial multifamily first, and then I would love to come back to short-term rentals because uh, that's probably a longer story in itself. But, yeah, perfect. but for the commercial, multi, commercial multifamily side, um, it was funny because we closed on a 68 unit in January of 2020. And whenever we closed on the property, whenever we had it in our contract, it was 95% occupied. Whenever we closed on it, it was closer to 82 and we had some evictions immediately. So we hit about 75, which was not part of the business plan, right? Um, and we had a light value add. And so I was a little bit concerned with where we were 
because we were supposed to be starting our distributions within six months. Um, and our cash flow was obviously impacted by our occupancy rate. So, um, and then, you know, we finally got the ball rolling and, and, and we got everything turned on board of the property, which is a feat, you know, of within whenever you're working with a new property manager, there's a lot of getting on the same page and, and we have an incredible team, but you know, there's just differences in how people operate and whatnot. So, um, lo and behold, we get everything ready and March is going to be our big month <laughs> and COVID hit and it stalled us for three months until May. And we hovered in between 72 and 80% occupied for three months. And I was, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, I invest all these people's money into this project, you know, and we were doing just fine. We have plenty of reserves in place. We have a nice loan, long-term loan. So, um, you know, but if that would have continued. Yeah. In that, uh, it, sorry, just to, to cut in kind of a question that came in is, you know, when you have that, that delay, you're between 72 and 80% occupancy, uh, you know, the, the business plan has kind of been thrown out the window for those few months. You know, how did you go about it, you know, with, with the other investors money, you know, obviously communicating stuff with them. Did you kind of adjust that action plan and give them kind of that, the heads up for how it's going to go? Or, you know, I'm, I'm curious how that communication went, because I feel like that's something that, you know, just getting ahead of it, obviously, you never would have, you would never project something like this to happen. I mean, you can't, can't really see it uh, apart from if we're, uh, if you're still around in a hundred years, then probably uh, that seems to be the the ticket is every hundred years. But, um, you know, to be able to not have any idea that something this drastic would come up. I know you always have reserves, you always have contingency plans, but curious how that process went um, as, as well with, with the communication and, the investor's reaction to it. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's a great point. So first off, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and we have a uh, great group of people. I, I don't even call them investors. They're our capital partners, right? And great relationships have been built and they are truly on board for, and they trust us, right? And um, so I was absolutely, uh, we were also fortunate and kind of squared away on the front end in several different aspects. And, and the fact that we knew this deal inside and out, like we, you know, so to be able to kind of assess and adjust that business plan um, and basically expedite some, some renovations at, on the front end. And then once we, and then we completely ceased renovations and we're like, Hey, we're going to keep it at a classic, you know, we need to save capital. Um, you know, and, and, that communication was what we did monthly report, which is kind of detailed and, and what an inv the investors, um, I think everybody's very happy, but then there were some additional phone calls. And to be honest with you, Derek, I think uh, the world was kind of standing on its head for a minute and the stock market at that point had dropped about 40%, you know? So people were like, hey, at least, at least it's safe. We're not gonna lose money. It didn't look like, right? We may not make our returns, but we're not gonna lose money. And, and again, just that communication, it was very obvious we were making some adjustments to the business plan in order to uh, preserve capital and preserve basically our business interests um, and still take care of tenants and, and offer them, you know, all the research that our property management did and our asset management team did in order to uh, bring in, you know, any sort of rental assistance, being on top of the ball of all the trends that were happening, you know, new COVID 
um, procedures whenever it comes to keeping everyone safe on, you know, so there was a tremendous amount. It was drinking through a fire hose and so many different aspects, right? And so just knowing, uh, you know, didn't get a whole lot of sleep and, and tried to, uh, you know, personally, and, and whenever I say personally, I guess there's a, there were several people on our team that were, were doing a whole lot and everything they could. And whenever people see you, you know, as long as they know that you care and you're mutually invested alongside, it's really hard to, you know, an outside circumstance is not going to impact that relationship in a terribly negative way, at least to this point. That's what I've experienced in, in basically all aspects of life, right? So uh, did that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that's a couple notes that are important from it is being, you know, kind of getting ahead of it. Uh, well, as much as as much as you could in this, but they were changing, you know, changing up that business plan, like you said, not going to be doing the renovations, we just need to hold retain that that extra capital fund. And, you know, just having that great communication that eases so much tension I've noticed in, in you know, for me in real estate on, on sales on the investment is, listen, just have that conversation, have, you know, get on the phone and explain it kind of what you're going through. And it just seems to ease a lot of, uh, a lot of the concerns again, whether it's buyers, sellers, investors, residents, whatever it is, just having that clear communication. And yeah. So I would just say also, and it's funny because as I think about it, there was also looking back now, it was a, it was hugely beneficial to us. Right. In, in so many ways. So whenever that happened, uh, you know, interest rates dropped pretty significantly. So we were really aggressive with a local uh, lender who we built a tremendous relationship with, especially through this process, right? And we're at 4.15% on a seven-year term. You know, about three months in to our hold, four months in, you know, we're like, hey, interest rates have dropped significantly. Is there something we can take a look at? You know, and uh, they were very happy to reduce our interest rate by over 50 basis points. That's uh, awesome. 3.6. Yeah. And I mean, that saves a tremendous amount mm -hmm. of money on our end just because, uh, you know, we've got that relationship and we are also very actively approaching them and saying, Hey, don't, you know, this is where we're at. This is what we're going to be doing with some shifting, some, some reserves in, and to other, uh, you know, scenarios. And, just staying on top of communications uh, is so key. Even whenever, and, you know, kind of coming, taking a second saying, oh my God, the world's falling apart. Take a deep breath, be like, okay, what are the actual problems, assessing those problems? And then coming with a few solutions, right? And having somebody, a sounding board that you can have, a, a trust, you know, my business partner, Scott, is, is somebody I would bang my, we would just bang our heads together and say, hey, what's the absolute best solution? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna address it. Investors or capital partners, here's the situation. You know, so therefore we're going to we've already got it covered. You know, we're we're moving forward with this adjustment to the business plan, and um, you know we'll we'll update you as needed as soon as we can. And if you do that, I mean, there's there's gonna be very little people questioning uh, the nuances of of your decision making processes. You know, unless it's something drastic, but we didn't run into any of that, any of those issues, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, again, reiterating that point is is the communication, but also picking your partners well. You know, p picking the right ones. You know, and your capital partners. 
obviously, like you said, they were on board. They could understand. They could see. Obviously, like you said, the the world was upside down, especially for uh, for those few months, and you know, gradually uh, getting back to less crazy. Uh, but you know, to be able to understand that your that local bank having great communication, having a great relationship with them, able to work with you, save some money, which that definitely helps, especially considering the circumstances of all of a sudden, instead of getting that lease up going in March, you have to push it back a few months. And, you know, it, it's just when you have, have the right relationships with them, you're transparent about everything. Like the lender, your capital partners, they're going to find out if something's going wrong eventually. Get ahead of that. Let them know, hey, here's what's happening. Here's our solution. Boom. There you go. You know, like what you had, what you were uh, saying that you did. And I think that that's so important to emphasize is communication is key. Yeah. Uh, bad news does not get better with time. So, <laughs> you know, that's the time to say it is, is yesterday. And then if it's not yesterday, then it was today. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, I mean, obviously this is a, a very, um, multifamily focused show, but, uh, as we, uh, discussed, uh, earlier in the show, uh, want to dig to a little bit of that short-term rental and the stuff that you saw and, you know, kind of the same process adjustments that you had to make and, and how things have gone on that end. Yeah, no, that's, and so I will just say some of the traditional markets of short-term rentals got destroyed. Uh, we're in Nashville, we're in the Nashville MSA, actually Nashville proper, and we were destroyed. I mean, 2020 looked terrible on our balance sheet, right? And, uh, but then there's a couple other markets that we're active in um, that are, that did, you know, took a little, uh, went over a speed bump and probably ceased for a month through March, April, but picked right back up. Um, you know, we're down here. I'm currently stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia. We're down here in Columbus, Georgia, where, uh, you know, the military ceased all travel other than emergency travel. And even that, I mean, there were literally family members that passed away and, and some of my soldiers were not allowed to go. I had to tell them they were not allowed to go see their father be buried. And so some very emotional, difficult times for everybody involved. But um, sorry to kind of caveat on that, but, <laughs> no, that's, but we, that's tough conversations, but that, that is, that's life yeah. is, uh, unfortunately has circumstances that are really tough. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, but what, what ended up happening? So, you know, uh, people stopped, we basically shut down for a while and then families started to come see their soldiers. Right. And so soldiers weren't allowed to leave Columbus area. So a lot of families came into Columbus, um, you know, and so that Columbus kind of was quicker to rebound. I think you'll see a lot of, and like what you were kind of alluding to, there's a lot of markets where people, maybe it's a vacation rental spot or someplace on, on a lake or someplace in the mountains that did phenomenally well through this, um, through the back end of COVID, through, you know, maybe not in the second quarter, uh, but third quarter, fourth quarter, you know, probably have never done better because of COVID. You know, so it, if there's anything to really grasp from that, it's totally that you are real estate is so hyper focused and so hyper local, like even in short term rentals and commercial multifamily, it doesn't matter what asset class you're in, you know, different events on a macro level will affect you differently. And so just knowing and understanding your market, knowing and understanding your asset class, knowing and understanding your business plan, 
and how that's going to be affected, you know, to the best ability that you have. There's always outliers, but, um, you know, across the whole, I'm still very bullish on short-term rentals, uh, regardless of COVID, you know? And, and so as long as the business, as long as there's some downside, you know, we're, we're mitigating that downside risk, uh, I think it's still a very safe play in certain markets, right? Um, I wouldn't be looking, Nashville actually is, you know, it's March of 2021 now, Nashville has absolutely rebounded you know, through the entire summer now, we're, we're seeing very good, um, you know, people are pouring back into Nashville because it's such an awesome city, such a great city. Um, but, you know, that's not a city that I'm necessarily looking to grow my short-term rentals because it's the, the words out of the, you know, the words out. <laughs> so um, you're competing with some very large investors and, uh, you know, people that have, that don't, that aren't seeking the type of returns that we are as a business, right? So, um, but you know, other markets that's, I'm absolutely bullish on short-term rentals. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, it, I think part of it is, is that pent up demand, you know, from the last year for people that maybe didn't, they didn't travel at all in the last, in the last 12 months, you know, they're gonna, that it just caught me in and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, vaccines are rolling out and, you know, people, if they get it, they feel more comfortable, they'll travel, you know, you never know, we never know how, how long, uh, you know, stuff will linger around yet. Um, certainly can't, uh, can't predict that if you can, then you will probably make millions of dollars, but, um, yeah, it's just all these people, but that, that are ready to go, they're ready to go travel. I mean, I reside down in Orlando this week is it's busy. It's spring break and, People are people are visiting Orlando and visiting Florida and obviously many other places across the country. But you know, again, it, it, to the point is is picking where people are more likely to go. Is that going to change their habits? Where you know they've gone to, uh, we'll just say a Destin, Florida, and they maybe would have gone to Miami, uh, you know, in the past, and they switched it up. It's a smaller. Uh, metro area and they love it now people are going to start to go more towards stuff like that again there's there's obviously destin's been a popular one for a popular place for decades but you know to the point is just being very market specific and that that translates back to multifamily is where's the inflow going where's the opportunity how's you know what's that upside the the trends you know from people going from urban cores out to the suburbs more or suburban properties, you know, the amenities that you, you provide, like there's so many things that, you know, we don't know how long the effects will last for what, what consumer habits are, or if, you know, what else will continue to change, but being able to kind of see that and, and identify it and um, keep up, you know, is certainly going to help, help increase those numbers, both for short-term rentals and for uh, multifamily and frankly, real estate as a whole know your market, know your product. Yeah, absolutely. But, okay, so obviously you, you had had the challenges in some, you had some great opportunities, some upside in, in others, you know, you saw that bounce back, uh, you know, able to work with the lenders and stuff. So we, we getting on that, but I wanna know, you know, a couple of things that maybe change just your business, you know, in general or, or specifically focused on multifamily. Uh, Whichever regard, there are some good 
you know, a couple of good things that came out for, you know, maybe changing some systems, uh, maybe something different for how you might underwrite, you know, different ways that you're, you're planning uh, to move forward in the future that, uh, that you were able to take away that probably wouldn't have come about if it weren't for, <laughs> if it weren't for COVID. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very, um, I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, everybody uses the, the term conservative underwriting pretty liberally now. Uh, I, I think it's more of a, you know, I don't even know if some people can even define what that means. Yeah, I think for some, it it's just a keyword. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, you, you're definitely looking at your assumptions in a, in a slightly more conservative way, which is very difficult in a market like today, whenever the, you know, commercial multifamily and, you know, commercial, commercial multifamily, and I'd say mobile home parks are probably, and short-term rentals, but are, are probably the hottest commodity across the board right now. You know, you're buying mobile home parks that would have traded it like a 12 cap three years ago for like an eight cap or a seven cap. And it's like, oh my goodness, we're, you know, so it's just such a drastic change that everybody's, you know, there's just a lot of people that have recognized the value of a recession, recession resistant investment class that's coupled with the upside, you know, and there's no better risk adjusted return, in my opinion, than what we see, than what we've seen for commercial multifamily, especially in the last few years. So, um, you know, all that to say is our, our underwriting has not changed significantly. We're definitely dipped on uh, our growth assumptions. Um, but what we're really looking for is is kind of the same thing that we've been looking for, and that's specific to our markets. Um, and it's, you know, we, we, we play along tertiary markets, right? So we're not even in secondary markets. We, we like, you know, the third or the fourth biggest city in the three states that we're located in, Georgia, Tennessee, and, and Indiana, you know, where uh, we can come in and find some properties that need significant um, repositionings, you know, slight to significant repositionings. And there's actually some value that we can provide the community. Um, whereas, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to a primary market and, and Orlando is, a, I mean, just booming like no other. Right. And so if you're going there, you're going to be competing with probably some, some REITs or some very high end, uh, investors that are looking for a safe return and, and that safe return is, is much less lucrative than uh, the value I play returns that we're used to and probably some foreign money that that's looking for a zero like just to maintain a, a uh, you know positive growth of one or two percent to keep up with inflation so I mean it's we've definitely um, honed in on our business plan of uh, you know understanding our tertiary markets extremely well and what those economic drivers are and, and understanding basically, hey, if demand is still there, uh, this is this is where we're investing our money right now in the commercial multifamily um, asset class because, you know, there's still room for that value add play. Yeah, and I think, you know, realizing how, how stuff has performed you make a few tweaks, but still kind of sticking to your guns as long as, you know, the metrics are there and it, it, you're still performing and not getting, uh, you know, a little bit of, you know, just drawn in a bunch of different markets because, oh, there's so much inflow. Like you mentioned, Orlando, 
is exploding. Tampa is exploding. Florida essentially is exploding. But, you know, Orlando took a big hit with um, obviously tourism just crushed it for, for a while. But you have companies that are starting to reinvest. Uh, you know, Universal is building a whole nother theme park. They're continuing with that. So when, when you get those signs, you know, to your point, those REITs, you know, you get Blackstone coming in and just buying up, you know, essentially whatever they want, if they want it. And yeah, it can be very tough to compete. So you find those little niches, you find those pockets that are, they're good markets. People are continuing to move to them. You know, they're, they're able to have stability in that job base and just continue to double down and, and be able to have that. But, you know, when you're, when you're kind of going about it, making sure, you know, that everyone's, you have that cohesive team and, you know, on the same page, you have those relationships with, you know, all of your partners. What, I mean, what, what would you say is important things for, for anyone to look at when they're kind of vetting any sort of team members, you know, again, whether it's, it's your vendors, your property management, your lender, your obviously direct business partner, your capital partners, you know, what are, what are some, some ways that you kind of go through that quote unquote vetting process, you know, so that you, that you have that bulletproof team. And that's a great team, right? Whenever you're, whenever you're, whenever we go through that process or specifically when I go through that process, you, know, you truly, you're, it starts with a self-assessment. Right. And what are your core values? What are your core competencies? And and who's going to be, um, you know, who's going to mutually align? Who are you mutually aligned with to best uh, fulfill each other's goals? You know, everything is about mutual benefit, mutually beneficial situations. So um, I would say that the easiest way to break that down is the three C's. Uh, you know, I think I got this from Russell Gray and, uh, you know, the real estate guys, but basically the three C's are uh, competency, uh, capacity, and then character, right? And character probably being the most important. So without that character, those, any anybody that we bring on basically has to uh, meet, kind of be aligned with us in those three different ways, right? Character has to be, you know, integrity has to be important to them. They have to be honest, open. Um, and aligned with us in a values-based uh, way, right? Um, whenever you're looking at competency, you know, you're looking at, hey, is this person, you know, competency can be met in many different ways, but, you know, is, is this person, like, for instance, an investor, um, you know, if somebody is just completely foreign and very uh, skeptical, real estate as a whole they're probably not going to be the best fit for somebody for for somebody that's you know for us that are trying to do a value-add business plan because there's some nuances that are difficult to explain so education you know educating your investor base and, and your capital partners is extremely important and just competency also being hey you know i don't want to be taking somebody's last dime that they have to pull a personal loan out so they're competent in the fact that they can just stand on their two feet and this is in, this is investing money. You know, this is truly something that they, if, if we did uh, lose tomorrow, it would not significantly impact their livelihood today, right? Um, and then capacity and, uh, you know, 
do they have the capacity to um, take on more? And, you know, whenever I think I'm, I'm trying to dial this into investors, because I think that's what the question was more pointed towards, but this is kind of the process whenever you're, you're looking at more active roles, right? Hey, this person can be the most competent and the absolute best, but you know what, if I go up to, um, you know, if I go up to Derek today and he's got a business partner, he's got a billion under asset assets under management, you know, he doesn't have the capacity to take on a, a Bo Gable at this point. Right. So he's going to be, you know, it doesn't matter how aligned we are, or how perfect that marriage would be um, or that partnership would be, you know, there's, there's not the capacity and he's got his own thing. So those really getting super aligned on those three uh, levels is what we kind of focus on whenever we're looking for active partners. And, it, and some of it definitely applies, like we discussed, to the investor side, the LP side as well. Yeah, and I think that's important too is whether it's someone that, that would be an active partner or an investor is just because they have, you know, a large sum of money to invest or they have access, you know, a network with a large sum, it doesn't mean it's worth it. You have to look at, you know, again, how, how, how are you going to gel is, are you going to be on the same page? You have the same, again, that the character, the capacity, all, all of that to be able to, to make the project work because, okay, acquisition, you know, it obviously you have to raise the capital. You go through, through the whole process to get, that's just the beginning. You have to be able to operate it, to have an understanding of those roles, to know how to execute that business plan and just adapt and pivot because inevitably something's going to go wrong and you're going to have to change, change your plan. So, you know, uh, you know, having that, that right person that, uh, that can match and, you know, it might be someone where, you know, your strong suit, you know, could be, could be one side of the business, could be, um, asset management and you find, you know, you might not be the, the greatest at acquisitions, whatever it may be. You find someone to fill that role as long as you hit those, you know, those three C's, uh, hit and it can, can be a great partnership. But I think regardless whether investor or active partner, you get the wrong one and it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough stretch because, the same point for an invest. It's not, it's not a liquid investment. You know, you're tied in for, you know, for the most part, three to five years, sometimes longer, sometimes a little bit shorter, but you're going to be in that for a while. And it's important to know up front. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just tell you up front, Derek, I mean, I've been very fortunate. I don't know, you know, I, I, I strive to be as simple as possible. I just, believe that, you know, if an eighth grader can understand it, it's something that, um, if an eighth grader can't understand it, it's probably something that needs to be simplified more, right? Um, I think that this point, I met with tremendous people and very few, and I haven't really, I mean, not past one call with anyone that I would not partner with, you know, that is like-minded and agrees with kind of the way that I go. So I think that you're definitely gonna, there's enough people out there, just be your authentic self, right? And I am a, I strive to be, like I said, I aspire to be a very simple, honest man um, that provides a, an excellent service to other people. Um, 
And you know what, that's not always going to be the sexiest thing. That's not always going to be aligned with somebody that's, that's uh, you know, ready to invest in Orlando because that's a little bit higher on the risk tolerance for me in some aspects. It's probably not, you know, I don't want to generalize because there's definitely opportunities there. Um, but what we look for is, is slightly different. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's truly being authentic and realizing that, hey, not every, not every person's going to jive with you. Um, and not every person is going to be aligned with you. So, but there are plenty of people that are and will, will, you know, form great partnerships and really become incredible friends. The relationships in this business, you find, uh, you know, I think more than any other aspects in commercial family, you just find so many abundant mind thinkers, so many abundance driven people that are truly looking to put their money to, to grow for their families and for bigger things other than themselves and also give back to their communities. And that is just exactly what we go for, right? We care about our, all the way down to our residents and literally we're providing homes and memories for those people for that, that are raising their kids. And I think back to my house that I grew up in, you know, I've got the fondest memories in the world and that's what they're doing in our home. So like very serious, we take that very seriously and try to provide them the absolute most value and, and um, also provide things like uh, solid safe returns on the other side of the spectrum to our capital partners, right? Um, so. Yeah, and I know uh... Before, before we started recording, talking about it, and, and sometimes, you know, you mentioned to people that, hey, I'm in real estate, you know, apartments, and here it, it's automatically, you know, oh, you know, slumlord comes to mind and, you know, just these, these negative things. And, you know, it's important that, that, you know, we have the opportunity to change that perception by doing the right thing, by serving others, by, you know, doing good with, uh, you know, the properties, which then helps the, the neighborhood. It can change, it can change the direction of a community. You know, in, in that sense, you provide safe, clean, you know, just comfortable housing for people. You're still able to make money. Money helps your investors, you know, work towards, uh, work towards their, their version of retirement, they get the returns, whatever aspect that is. And people are able to look forward to coming home, you know, because like you said, it is their home. They have families and like, man, wouldn't you want something nice? And it's like, there are a lot of people out there that, that really do it the right way. And it's important to get those stories out there because unfortunately what you hear on the news typically is the people that don't do it correctly and take advantage of people. And that's, that's not who a lot of, a lot of the, uh, our fellow, uh, our fellow investors are. And, you know, I just want to know with this, you know, eventually you'll, you'll switch into real estate full time, uh, coming up and, you know, I just want to know kind of what that long-term vision is, what, what you want to do, maybe what you're doing now to be able to give back, you know, in, uh, you know, more than, more than just providing some great housing, um, you know, quality place for, for people to live, but what is something that maybe you want to want to work towards in the future or that you're doing now to give back to others? Yeah. So I, I guess um, two parts to that answer as well. So we've got 
So I'll be transitioning out of the Army here in the next six or months and move back working with a builder developer, uh, Richland Building Partners, and phenomenal younger team that is doing tremendous work there on the, on the building developing side. So I'll be broadening myself and learning because I think the more, you know, people look at people that don't understand real estate kind of lump real estate into one big ball, right? But there's so many different aspects to it. Like building developing is a higher risk, you know, can be speculative uh, and also has higher margins, right? Well, value add business plan on a commercial multifamily, you know, 1980 apartment complex is, is pretty resistant, recession resistant. I've got to be able to say that quicker. Um, and, you know, so there's, you're diversifying yourself by just attacking two different aspects of the real estate world. Uh, and so I have, I have uh, completely liquidated everything that was in funds and, and bonds and, you know, 100% dove into real estate and being well diversified within real estate and providing excellent service across the board is truly, you know, where the future will be held. And, and quite frankly, Derek, um, you know, the end of this part of that answer is, uh, you know, we're going to impact millions of lives. I mean, we are going to impact millions of lives in such a positive way by providing houses, by providing homes. Um, and on the luxury side, some of that applies and also just to our, you know, to our workforce housing residents, you know, so I think that the community that we're building in, in two of our communities are, are something that wasn't that's not expected at that level and something that we, you know, spend a little bit extra money in, in order to try to take care of them and at least show that we care. So that's number one. And then number two, um, we, we had a, there's nothing in my, there's nothing in our world, my wife and I, she's very passionate about it. You know, we, we are blessed with three of the healthiest, sweetest babies that are also uh, very chaotic at the house. Right. But um, what a blessing. And so, um, whenever our little girl was born, she had some complications, uh, assessed complications that really turned out to be okay. But she had to spend a few nights in the hospital. It was just absolutely tragic. Uh, so tragic. So Ronald McDonald uh, Charities is something that's very near and dear to our heart and something that we're passionate about giving back to. You know, anytime, if you see a family that's that's uh, distraught from, from a child being especially infants or, or younger children, you know, illness is really, really difficult, but whenever, it, whenever it's impacting such an innocent soul, you know, it's just, it just kind of compounds that. So uh, that is something that we, we very much look forward to continuing and, and growing as we continue to uh, grow ourselves. So. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. And again, you know, as, as you continue to, to grow, you impact, uh, you know, continue to spread that impact of, of positivity to, to people and, you know, be able to get to that, those millions of people and just spread this, you know, it, it's a great way because, because you kind of get that platform and you could spread that story for, you know, stuff to come back to the Ronald McDonald house and, you know, be able to help people. And especially when you've gone through something like that, you know, I think there's, you know, people, a lot of times like you feel it. it, Yeah. It's great in, in theory and don't get me wrong, very good cause. But once you experience it, man, that drives you, (laughs) that, that, 
10x, you know, drives you I mean, it can further make me towards helping right now, man. Yeah, it can yeah, make I mean, me emotional right now just thinking about it. So yeah. it is something that you feel like it is it is attached, you know, part of your identity now. So you're absolutely that's a great way of saying it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, fortunately, as uh, as you said, um, you know, baby number three, your little boy came uh, recently and is the healthiest yet. So um, you know thankful thankful for that on, on your behalf uh for it is, is great so you know no, i appreciate that. again the, the gratitude that that you have and you know now you're able to again you're, you're going to work towards towards making some some great impact in this world and i think that it's just wonderful and when again get the right people there, there's so much money in this world and when you know the good that you want to do you have the obligation to collect as much of it as possible and, and that's really the mindset that you have to have. It's, it's not greed because you want, you're going to use that for good. And, and that's just so important that, uh, that, that you're able to uh, be able to be successful in that regard and, and, and help out, you know, further for, for generations. But, and I would bet yeah. much like you, I'm sorry, I, I would just say, I would bet much like me, Derek, you were not born with that mindset, right? That is not something that was innate or maybe even taught to you. And yet, so there's, there's, you have to divorce yourself from this mindset of scarcity or, or, or greed is evil because it's, it's not about greed. It's about the impact that we're going to have. And like what you said is was wonderfully said and could not agree more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I just look at it just in the last few weeks down here in Orlando, there's been announcements of over a billion dollars worth of land transactions for to build these projects. It's, there's so much money out there. This is one city in one state in one country in the world. And there's a billion dollars in the last couple of weeks of transactions for land. You know, and, and yeah, it's like there's one so of many five cities that has that in Florida alone. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are so... booming so much money in this world and man the people that want to do good we got to be able to collect it so um and, and then obviously implement the good <laughs> uh that's uh that's big step number two but yeah the with the right mindset and the and the right goals um to be able to help it, it's yeah it, it it's just something that we need to it, it's our duty to be successful but you know kind of to lead into that, how you got onto this path. I'm curious if there was, you know, you got into real estate, but if there was like a certain book or, or life event, you know, something that happened that really made you like take action to then jump into the multifamily space. Yeah. So I'll just say sort of curiosity. I've been, you know, my entire life, I've been super curious uh, and it led to some passions. Um, and basically, you know, I knew nothing whenever we purchased our first home, which was a primary residence, and then we transitioned it to a, an investment property. Knew nothing about real estate, really, from a from a dollars and cents from an investor standpoint. You know, I just I thought it was much like when you buy a home, it goes up in value, you sell it, you make money. You know, which is just completely not different. You know, some of that aspect's true, but. I'm, I know so much more about it now. Um, so the curiosity and the, and the want to grow uh, my own self is, is what started. And then really I, I went on a deployment to Iraq and um, you have very little downtime, you know. Whenever I look at how much downtime we have and how fortunate we are, whenever we're back, you know, we work 
my guys were working, you know, we were deployed for about 270 days. They didn't, I mean, there were no days off, you know, you're, you're on every day, you're working eight to 16 hours. Um, and so the one thing that I did have is we, we had a gym, right. And I discovered what a podcast was. So I'd go to my Wi-Fi spot, download some podcasts, and then go to the gym for my sanctuary for about two hours or so a day. And that's where I started the commercial multifamily with much like your podcast, right? And that's where it really expanded my knowledge. I was like, this is the asset that I, asset class that I want to be a part of. And then all, whenever I came back home and we moved up to the DC area with another assignment, um, I met a, a gentleman at a meetup. You know, I was just committed to taking action in a small way because I didn't know it yet. But I'm going to a meetup at once a month and I met a guy who's now my business partner on a commercial multifamily deal. Um, and he was three years ahead of me at the time. He had closed on a couple of apartments and just very successful. And I was like, man, I want to, how do I bring that guy value? Um, what, how do I become more like him? I aspired to be like him so much. And so meeting Jason um, was, you know, changed the trajectory of my life and kind of pointed me and said, hey, he can do it. Pretty normal guy, right? He's done a whole, he's a Marine vet as well. And, and been super successful in other in his w2 and, and but that is what made it kind of accessible to me and i was like this is not something like i can figure this out with some hard work and some integrity and and you know some de dedication essentially right so um i would say that you know compile all of that and that's what really kind of sprung me off into into where where we're where we're at right now and, and hopefully much further down the road here in the future. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just going from, from having that sanctuary to, uh, to creating your own, your own legacy to leave behind. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think that's something too, is, you know, podcasts, you know, regardless of whether it has a hundred thousand downloads an episode or a hundred or one, if it changes that one life, you know, and, and someone goes on to do great things, it's like, that's the thing is being able to share these stories, provide that, that value and that education and that insight that helps people like, you know, again, with this story that you had. And that's kind of how I started learning about multifamily was listening to some pocket. It's just the power of education, replacing music with a podcast or an audio book and just how that can develop is, is huge. But um, I don't want to keep you uh, too long here. I just have a couple last questions. One, when I say retirement, what, what is the, I guess, definition or the vision that you have in your head when, when you hear that word? Off the bat, it's being successful enough to be able to give as much as I want, right? Right now, I don't have the time freedom. I don't have the money to give as much as I want, but off the bat and, and live comfortably, right? So once I hit a point where I can do that, maybe I retire. Maybe I'm in retirement. Maybe that's what that means. But uh, very honest, it's doing what you want, when you want, with who you want, you know? And, you know, that's not sitting in a cubicle for me. It's not, it is, it is impacting lives in this way. Uh, I don't think I'm ever going to stop doing what I'm doing right now, but you know, I'm, I'm 32 years old right now. And I'll look at this in 10 years, but man, 
a kid had to grow up a lot, you know, much like I look at myself at 22 years. So who knows um, what that retirement means, but it's definitely not the traditional path of the 401k uh, build up a nest egg and then, and then live off, you know, build up a million dollars, live off 50 K for the last 20 years of your life. And if you you're blessed enough to live longer then you know, what are you going to do? But um, so real estate has definitely impacted my life in such a tremendous way because it just showed me a different way to get there so much faster, you know, and so much and so much more efficiently and so much safer and, and relying on myself. So that's where the passion comes from. Yeah, it's great. Well, lastly, if people want to reach out to you, learn about what you're doing, you know, uh, kind of make that, that step to get connected with you, uh, where can they go about finding uh, more information? Well, Derek, first off, I hope they do. Um, I would be more, doesn't matter who they are or what, where they are in their lives or their stage in real estate. Um, I welcome, you know, relationships truly are the best part of this business. And so I appreciate very much this opportunity. Uh, my name is Bo Gable. It's B-O-G-O-E-B-E-L uh, at Riverside Investment group.com and also on uh, or at least I was pretty active on LinkedIn and before we had some hecticness but I'll, I'm active on LinkedIn you can look me up on LinkedIn uh, it's probably the best way to find me as well um, LinkedIn or email wonderful well thank you so much for for coming on sharing your story I love the conversation that we had you know kind of digging into uh, into you know being able to shift being able to adapt and you know, aspiring to, uh, to make some great change in this world. So certainly enjoyed that conversation. I look forward to more in the future. Derek, thank you very much. Thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode of Apartment Investing for Early Retirement. Please be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. The links will be in the show notes. And if you enjoy the show, please be sure to share it out on social media so that we can reach more and more people to help educate them about the opportunity that multifamily investing provides to help reach their version of retirement sooner than later. Take care, everyone. Mm -hmm.